this week's episode, we're focused on two excellent new titles centered around Shakespearean and biblical themes. It's all happening now on Cover B. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Cover B. <sighs> Excuse me. I was just taking a swig of my delicious Hoplark sparkling hop tea, the Ooh. really hoppy one. What's it like? Oh, it's delicious. And it's from a company that is nice enough to give a small podcast a brand deal. <laughs> Wink. <laughs> we're not We're not sponsored. Hey, check out Hoplark Hop Tea. We're not sponsored, but they're tasty. Anyway. They are really good. That's the thing. It's it's nice for me personally because I am gluten-free now and it sucks. Um I'm not like one of those pretentious gluten-free people. I still sometimes consume it. I just get really bad headaches when I eat gluten stuff. But I can't do beer anymore, which is super depressing because I love beer. And Hoplark Hop Tea kind of has like a hint of beerness to it because it's hoppy. But it has caffeine in a lot of them. And that's delightful because I'm super addicted to caffeine. I like how I opened this episode being unprofessional and taking a swig of a drink. And uh, you flew into a whole infomercial. <laughs> Well, if we're going to talk about Hoplark Hop Tea, I want to tell people about Hoplark Hop Tea. <laughs> I don't think the plan was to actually talk about <laughs> Hoplark Hop Tea. I just have a running gag on mainly on the Twitch channel about how I'm trying to get a brand deal from Hoplark Hop Tea. But anyway, it's delicious. Check it out. But that's not why we're here. We're here it's to true. talk about comics. Yeah. Delicious. I'm um, so sorry to all of you who have that thing where you hate mouth sounds because I think Chris just put you all into <laughs> like a death spiral. Yeah, my bad. Uh, <laughs> so, hi. Welcome to Cover B. We talk about comics. Did you know that? The comic podcast. <laughs> Not the Hoppy Beverage podcast. <laughs> Why not? Uh... <laughs> File this under best intro ever. We're going to talk about comics this week. It was kind of a light week. Woo. Uh, there was a handful of number ones, but not many of them really like shined above all else. We weren't fully wowed by everything this week. Kind of a light week in general. Um, it kind of seems like the rest of 2021 might be light weeks, so we'll see how that goes, but uh, we'll keep you posted on anything good. But it's we're going to go ahead and kick it off. Uh, with a book that I was, when I first read the solicitation of, I was really excited about, and it definitely held up to my hype. Uh, Daisy, number one. This was written and arted by Colin Lorimer. Uh, this book opens with a strange group of children, all surrounding one uh, teenage girl who is exceptionally tall, as they tell biblical stories of fallen angels and giants. We then flash to... An ex ex cop who is uh, looking for her son and gets a tip, and that leads her to the same area that we talked about. And as she interacts with this small town and this interesting group of individuals, we start to see that things are things are strange in this small town surrounding this tall teenager. T, what did you think? This book's really cool. Um, I, so I don't come 
admittedly from a heavily Christian background. So I don't have a ton of context when stories play with biblical stories or, or parables or things like that. Um, so I kind of come in very like fresh, like everything's new to me and I get to experience everything for the first time. And this thing is trippy dippy. And I love that. It's fascinating. Um, the, you know, I, I really enjoy when, you know, stories lean into the like discussion of there's like mention of fallen angels and giants and all of these fantastical things. And it's just super interesting to me and the way that it's depicted and the way that it's illustrated and the way that it's coordinated and tied into like a more modern day setting. Very cool. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Um, I just, I appreciate a, a book that's kind of playing with um, some, some religious tones, but still keeping it very almost like, there's a mystery, there's there's intrigue, and I, I don't know. It's yeah. it's neat. It's a neat way to use a, a, a biblical-esque setting. There's a lot of there is a <laughs> lot of interesting stories and lore uh to be discussed and observed in Christian mythology. Now, when I say mythology, don't immediately jump down my throat. Everyone's allowed to have their own faith. If you're Christian, I'm not necessarily invalidating you. Believe what you want to believe. Uh, what I'm saying is, is that there's a lot of, if you look at the years of Christian development, mm-hmm. um, and you have things like demonology and the concept of fallen angels and a lot of like deeper dives into different things mentioned in the Bible, like the Canaanites, which were the giant people, and Goliath and those kind of people, uh, you know, there are people that have taken deeper dives into what does it actually mean that they're giant. And in some kind of interpretations of it, they were actually giant. In other interpretations, they were just bigger than other people. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just large people. Uh, but, you know, as the years and millennia have gone by, as Christianity's been out in the world, just like any sort of religion or spiritual teaching, it's developed and changed. And so the Christian mythology side of it is these stories and things that have kind of originated through the Middle Ages and through, you know, romantic period and stuff. It's where we get a lot of our Christian art. You know, if you look at like art based around like, here's what hell looks like. It's like that was all developed by people at that point. That wasn't from the Bible or from the mouth of Jesus. Yes. So much of the depiction of Christianity and art comes actually from like Paradise Lost. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And so it's like. There is a whole mythology surrounding Christian ideals and, you know, the ideas kind of introduced in the Bible and then expounded upon by these people in the Dark Ages and beyond uh, to explain the way of the world or to make their worldview fit or even just to exert power over people. Kesara, mm-hmm. that's how religion is used at times. Um, but and that's where I think this book is really cool, you know bouncing off of what you said is that it is creating its own kind of Christian mythology. You know, the, the author is building a story that really fits. Like you would expect to hear it in like a Catholic church or, you know, in some sort of see a painting about it or something like that. But it's its own unique 
kind of thing. Right. And there are giants in the Bible. You know, there are angels in the Bible. Yeah. And, you know, there's this whole idea of, like, fallen angels and, like, angels that were charged with watching Earth and things like that. And it's, you know, these are concepts that exist out there in the more expanded Christian mythos. Yeah. You know, they're just not necessarily directly in the Bible, but they're out there. And so it all fits. And I think not enough. I feel like when people do kind of dip their toes and like, I'm going to take some like Christian stuff, like <laughs> angels and things. I'm going to put it into a nice little pie crust, <laughs> bake it at 450 for 20 minutes. And then I'm going to take it out. And when people are like, is there Christianity? I'm going to be like, no, this is something different. It's you know? pseudo. And yeah, they, they like rename it and they, you know, they characters in the book might make reference to like, are you an angel? And they'll be like, I've been known as such, but I'm not actually an angel. Don't call that you know, right. There always... is a mock apple pie. Yeah. There's... <laughs> it's like, surprise, it was sweet potatoes. Uh... <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> oh, grandma, you're at it again. Uh <laughs> give too much of a peek into my family <laughs> um <laughs> don't look behind the curtains <laughs> but yeah it's it's you know they always kind of like i know this is a beautiful blonde winged person in golden armor but they're actually an asimer you know and it's it's they never go all in on like like, as a, just a recent example, there was a book called Hell Cop, and it was about, like, took place in this world where, at some point, some corporation or some science group found, was dealing with dimensional hopping stuff, and eventually they found hell, a la Doom, right? Yeah. Like, similar thing happened in Doom. But in this one, it wasn't actually hell. It was just this dimension that happened to be kind of close to our dimension and sometimes leak in, and thus it gave people the concept of what hell might be, but it was really just like a regular dimension. Just a rando dimension. People that were, you know, living their lives and going to their part-time jobs and getting addicted to drugs and things like that, and it was like, that's all, you know? <laughs> For some reason, some people on Earth would die, and then their spirit would end up in this dimension, and we couldn't explain why, but it wasn't actually hell, <laughs> you know? And it's like... It's uh, cool. Okay, sure. <laughs> like, let's make hell aliens. Let's make hell and let's make heaven like they, yes, they're gods, but they're from a different dimension and stuff. It's like not enough people, I think, really sit down with like Christian mythology and they're like, but what if it, yes, it, yes, Yahweh, you know, yes, <laughs> one God, yes, flood, yes, angels, yes, son of God, yes, giants, you know, what if they... And I guess this isn't necessarily just strictly Christian mythology, since the story based around this is uh, Old Testament stuff. Yeah, pre. But you know the, the pre Mister Jesus. The kind of cult of it all developing in this book does feel a bit American Christian, you know. So it, I guess, it ties to it. But um, maybe that's prejudiced on my part. I don't know. Uh, don't hate me for it, Hoplark Hop Tea. <laughs> if you're listening, brand deal. Um, <laughs> but I guess what I'm getting at is I, I appreciate, like you said, that this book really just pulls from, is like, this is what it is. This is stuff in the Bible. We're not calling it different things. We're not being like, 
the ages were aliens all along. You know, it's it's like this is what it is. These are who they are. They're literally like, um, hey, this is this is Bible talk. And I I appreciate that. Me too. You know, I do like. I mean, I'm always in on like a good old fashioned small town America creepy cult book. Yeah. You know. Yeah. This book introduces some interesting concepts and an interesting sense of mystery, and I like that. And I'm curious to see where the eponymous Daisy fits into all this. Uh, since, you know, the initial take on her when she's introduced is that she's some sort of leader, some sort of leadership position. And then that view kind of changes as the book goes on. So, yeah, it was very good. Very interesting. I mean, in a pseudo horror book, I'll tell you what, there are few things that are ever scarier than just people. <laughs> mm. And you know, I look at upcoming covers and just kind of the general, you know, some glimpses of things that we get in the uh, in the parable section of the book. I guess you could call it. Um, might also have body horror. So if you're into body horror, body horror. If you're a body hoarder, <laughs> please don't. If you're a body hoarder, send us a message on Facebook and let us know so we can report you. <laughs> if you're into body horror, this might be a cool book to check out. I don't know. I can't promise that. I just kind of get vibes off of it. And there's That's like fair. a little bit of body horror in part of this book. So, uh, but yeah, really cool book. I'm very excited for this one. It lived up to the hype when Agreed. I first saw it. Uh, it's one of the few books that I added to my file before I read it. I was like, this I want one's this. happening. Uh, which says a lot because usually I get books like one or two or I forget entirely and never add them to my file. <laughs> uh, that's just who I am. We're managing a lot of books, okay? <laughs> yeah, hey. Next up, this one's coming out of AWA. Uh, this is called Crimson Cage. Uh, it's written by John Lees with art by Alex Cormack. It is Macbeth pasted against the background of a WWE cage match. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I have to explain more, I guess. Uh, <laughs> the story follows Chuck Frenzy, a New Orleans, uh, I guess, minor league, you could call it, wrestler. Uh, in, local league. In 1984, as he is the champ of his local league and everyone loves him and he, you know, is kicking names and taking ass and his partner, wife, partner, uh, is his like hype woman and they're just doing really, really well and he's having a chance come up to eventually fight the like world champion real like Ric Flair kind of stand-in character uh, who you know gives him promises of like putting him on the map all behind the scenes he's being pushed by his lovely Shirlene I think her name is uh, to be better and move on and we need to get out of this dive town and we need to make something of ourselves and so when this opportunity comes knocking she's all on board in comes some swamp witches because Macbeth and <laughs> they give him a prophetic, a prophetic vision of his future as well as giving his friend a prophetic vision of his, uh, which if you've read Macbeth, uh Oh, uh, and they give him an idea of how to make this future happen. 
And we'll just say, for those of you in the audience who haven't read Macbeth and thus don't kind of see where this whole thing's going, uh, there are dark things afoot for Mr. Frenzy as he strives for the glory that he hopes to achieve. T. Oopsie, Stabby. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> so, this book is phenomenal. Mm. Um... I need to preface <laughs> preface this whole scenario with the fact that I was raised on professional wrestling. Mm -hmm. We watched both WCW and WWF, as it were, before they lost the battle against the World Wildlife Federation. Um, I think that legal battle should have been handled by like two, like a tag team match between two of the best WWF wrestlers and two pandas. Oh, but pandas don't want to, like, they don't want to exert enough energy to replenish their, like, numbers. They're not going to want to <laughs> wrestle. I guess really all I wanted was one of the pandas to win the heavyweight belt and then become a regular. That would and be just, amazing. Like, you have moments where, like, they just want to match and they're, like, in the middle of the ring and then someone <laughs> comes out and starts shouting stuff at the panda and the panda's like, rrr, rrr, and, like, takes the mic and is like, rrr, 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 rrr. <laughs> I could really see a panda as like a good teammate for like Rafiki. Like I feel like that would go really well. I I'm 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 both dating myself and also sharing that I have a robust history of watching and enjoying professional wrestling. So yeah, so, WWE <laughs> brand deal. Just saying. <laughs> I don't think I want money from McMahon. <laughs> Just throwing that out there. That's fair. I don't. I got. I got some pride. Um, <laughs> but this book is so engaging, so interesting, so good at developing characters. You care about everyone you're introduced to in this book to some extent, whether mm -hmm. you like them or dislike them. You have feelings about everyone in this book. Yeah. One of the primary, quote unquote, like, bad guys who's not actually a bad guy. They're all, like, best friends because it's wrestling and wrestling's all fake and wonderful. And they're all acting, as my dad calls it, soap operas for men. Um, you know, they're all, like, they go to a bar and they're all, like, having fun and they're nice to each other and it's cool. And, you know, everyone that's depicted is really nice and uh, enjoyable and... You care about them and you want to see them do well. And I think that's really powerful to show the real side of fake wrestling. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think that's something not done enough um, from the actual professional wrestling side. I have not watched and want to watch Glow. Um that's been on my list for a really long time because I know that it does a similar job, but from the female side of things. But it's nice to me to see professional wrestling kind of getting a highlight and showing that it does require talent. Mm. Um, because you do think about professional wrestling as acting and fake and all these things. But you, these actors, in order to do what they do, it takes considerable physical capabilities mm -hmm. it takes a, a strong capability to engage a crowd to be charismatic to hold up a character and and 
do things that people see as iconic to, you know, build a repertoire for yourself. Yeah. That takes work. That yeah. takes talent. That takes skill. And that's not necessarily regarded that way all the time. Yeah. And, you know, kind of unrelated because they don't hit on this that much in this book. But you're right. Like, when people, you know, not many people have the disillusionment that wrestling isn't fake. Uh, but when people think about, like, oh, wrestling's fake, they immediately devalue all the, like, physical aspects of the mm -hmm. job of being a wrestler. Mm -hmm. Like, the reason wrestlers go up in ranks and the reason wrestlers, like, some wrestlers win and some wrestlers don't isn't entirely just based off of a behind-the-scenes group of people kind of, like, putting wires together. It's, you know, you have to be a decent actor. You have to be charismatic you have to sell yourself you mm -hmm. but then there's also all this physical stuff mm -hmm. you have to be able to pull off the stunts you have to be able to adapt to when stunts don't pull off you know mm -hmm. these things you're doing could kill people or paralyze them yes you know it's, and it's, has it's a very similar thing to like ballet dancers like male ballet dancers everyone thinks about them as just like Oh, you lift oh, people. You whatever. You're weak. You're not strong. You don't. You know whatever. Yeah. Like there's this kind of stigma about male ballet dancers of like, oh, you're a dancer. Whatever. That's what you do. You dance. Yeah. But like, these dudes are incredibly agile, incredibly strong because yeah. the things they're doing could kill someone if they weren't. Yeah. You know. So Absolutely. you don't. You don't become that, and then like, you know, not be able to like. Don't challenge a male ballet dancer to a fight, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you shouldn't just, like, roll up to the Met and be like, who wants to fight? Anyway, go home, Larry. <laughs> but, you know, if you're out and about, don't challenge a ballet dancer to it's a true. fight. Because they're going to be strong and really fast. Um, and it's similar to, you know wrestlers is people are like oh wrestling's fake these guys yeah they're ripped because they have to look ripped but they're not actually like what are they actually what are they do? doing they're they not actually athletes and it's like no i mean they're okay, absolutely yeah. athletes i'd like it's amazing that they do all this cgi flying off the freaking ropes on each other you know what yeah I mean? it's like of course they're athletes you know and like you said this book does a really good job kind of showing the behind the scenes of like why is chuck the champion is he the champion just because people like the dude he works for likes him no he's the champion because he's energetic and charismatic and nice and people like him he, you know people want to rally behind he's, him he's willing to he goes out in the town and someone's like your rival's outside and he's kind of like sigh i don't care we're not actually rivals but then even just trying to get a drink at a bar he like stands up and is like that him ever and runs yeah. out you know so he's living the part you know, and not blowing people off just because he wants to go about his life. Yeah. You know. Um, and I like Chuck. I do, And too. I didn't expect to like Chuck. I, I don't know. I go into books about wrestlers and I'm kind of... Many of them fall into the same things. Especially when you're talking about, like, wrestlers. Like, stories about wrestlers and, like, kind of glamorous athletes from the 80s. They all kind of end up the same character. Yeah. And Chuck's not that. He's, like, humble and nice and he's kind. He's a good dude. You know? Yeah. And he wants more, but he's not really, like... He likes being popular in New Orleans, and he just kind of wants to get paid and keep doing what he's doing. Um, 
And it, I, I thought that was impressive. Like you said, everybody in this book is likable to some extent. And you understand their motivations. Yeah. And I'm just surprised that they made a character that looks like Chuck. Like, swole, porn stash, 1984 <laughs> wrestler Chuck Frenzy. And I'm actually, like, leaving the book kind of like, oh, yeah, I like, I like Chuck. I want to go hang out with you Chuck. You know, normally I'd be like, that's a D-bag. No thanks. <laughs> you know, but. Don't judge a book by his cover. Yeah. It was cool seeing the behind the scenes of these athletes without all the kind of like cliches of like, oh, here's this guy and look, he's doing coke off of some lady's butt. You know what I mean? And it's like, (laughs) Like, they feel much more. They're just home. They're hometown heroes. Yeah. They feel much more human. New Orleans dudes that started doing what they do. And his story about how he got into wrestling is like very human and approachable. He's like, you know, my dad pushed me to be an athlete and i always wanted to be the best athlete and then i kind of just fell into this and i really liked people cheering for me while i stood in the middle of a bunch of people i liked being able to create stories rather than focusing my whole life around physical fitness yeah and that's really cool i love that cool motivation for a wrestling character so i like this book i like this is really good and i like this book and, you know, it falls in, it's kind of similar to what we talked about with Animal Castle last week is, you know, this is an adaptation or like a retelling of this classic story. Right. And it does fall into the same sort of beats, but is going kind of its own different direction. So you know pretty much where the story is going to go and you can predict certain things, but it's still going to have its own unique spin on it. It still has twists uh, that you may not expect. I You know, and I, I like that they're not, it doesn't seem like they're doing the thing that some like retellings will do where they like really focus in on like certain phrases that are told, yeah. you know, like the witches don't repeat any of the, you know, classic phrases that the witches tend to say. Right. They're their own unique thing. They have like a Creole type accent it's and they cool. still rhyme like the witches did in Macbeth, but they, you know, do their own sort of thing. Yeah. It's like its own unique thing. They're not like, Hey, remember in Macbeth when the witches said this and then making sure that that gets there, you know, or remember in Macbeth when Lady Macbeth said this and making sure that it gets there, they're tweaking it and making it very, very unique. It feels very organic. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's cool. I like this one. It was well done. It was very well done. I'm looking forward to the next issue of this one. That's going to do it for us. Uh, If you like this episode, you can find more episodes on our website, coverbpodcast.com. If you want to follow us on social media, we are on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram. I completely blanked out on all social media. It's not my job or anything. Shut up. (laughs) Oh, Lord. (laughs) And if you're looking for a refreshing evening (laughs) beverage, check out Hoplark Hop Tea. Oh, God. Mm. Well, if we don't get... A brand deal with Hoplark. I feel like we may have just scared off any other potential brand deal. Potential sponsor. (laughs) Yeah. No, 100%. (laughs) Thank you all for listening. Go out there, be well, be good to one another. Uh, As always, I have been Chris, this has been T, and you have been listening to To Cover Cover B. B. Bye, everybody.